I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast. And this is the Israel Startup Nation 2021 season preview. This is going to go as follows. We're going to recap some of their highlights and maybe lowlights in 2020 quickly. We're going to talk about their additions. You may have heard they've added a couple of riders, some big names. And then we're going to go through the monuments and maybe some of the Grand Tour sprint stages, but also just the Grand Tours generally and say what team we would pick or, more importantly, which riders we would have from Israel Startup Nation as leaders. And then we'll finish with what we expect from them in 2021. Obviously, Israel Startup Nation is a team with big ambitions they're trying to move up the ranks. They're trying to improve. That's evident from their signings that uh, were announced in 2020 this year. But maybe we don't think, I don't know, I'm, I'm previewing what we might say at the end, but maybe it's not going to be as easy as just adding some big names to get to the big world tour results. But that'll be at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Benji, how did Israel Saab Nation go in 2020? What's their, their main results so what victories did they get compared to the years before their main victories and main additions to their palmarès are the two grand tour victories so first of all they've got the grand tour stage win in the giro with a uh, with Dowsett. now regarding that victory i feel like it's less valuable than most of the other grand tour victories because well the way it was won is perhaps not really very representative of a usual grand tour win and as a consequence, it's very difficult to say, oh, that's going to happen again next year. Because you can say, of course, it's a Grand Tour win. Congratulations, Dowsett. Awesome. I'm happy for him. But I also think that it's going to be really difficult to get in a similar situation in the coming years to have that same exact situation play out for them. So they indeed need a bit more strength to have consistent Grand Tour stage wins. They actually got a decent one. Honestly, quite impressive in the Vuelta with Dan Martin on the third stage, I think, something like that. Eventually out sprinting the likes of uh, Carapaz and Roglic on a final climb. Now, that was impressive and it was representative of the results they could get in that Vuelta because Dan Martin kept getting good results and good results and eventually ended up on the fourth spot of La Vuelta. So that's impressive compared to the years before for Israel Startup Nation. They're slowly but surely making their way up. But what they were lacking in, despite having a good team for these races, are the lesser races for me last year. So they've got basically four more stage wins next to the Grand Tour stage wins that are not NCs. And that is Le Samer with Hofstetter, then Rudy Barbier, who was pretty great at San Juan at the start of the season, ended up winning another stage at Slovakia as well. And then Mikel Raim at Antalya. They've got a few talented riders. Badilati, I think you spoke about him during our Vuelta preview last year. Well, 2020, so this year still. And he was second in Antalya or something. So, yeah, there's some talent there. There's stuff that can grow. 
And I think that the riders that will need to be in addition to their team need to firstly have experience to bring more chances of consistent victories to the team, but also the allowance of growth on their own riders. But yeah, will it be enough? That's something we'll try and assess right now, I guess. So the big additions are obviously Chris Froome coming from Ineos on a also a three-year deal. We don't know how much it was for, but many millions of euro. Seb van Mark coming over from EF Pro Cycling. Dara Limpy from Mitchelton Scott, the South African veteran. Michael Woods from EF Education First, another rider from there departing. Danny Martinez as well. It's gone to Ineos. We'll get to them when we do the Ineos preview. Alessandro De Marchi from CCC, as well as Patrick Bevan, both riders I'm quite fond of and I think are underrated. Carl Friedrich Hagen from Lotto Sudal, a man who's promised a lot, but yeah, just didn't happen, I don't think, this year. And a lot of um, a lot of people have been asking you what, what's next for Friedrich Hagen because they thought he was going to be really up there with the big boys in GC or potentially in one-week stage races. And obviously, one of my mates, Sebastian Berwick from St. George Continental Cycling Team, got that three-year deal at Israel Startup Nation. And we'll start with the biggest name on that list, which is Seb Berwick. What's the rider he is, what to expect from him? He's a GC guy, climber. Um, we saw that in Herald Sun Tour when he was climbing head-to-head battle with Jai Hindley. Go and watch my video on it and what Jai Hindley went on to do this year. And Jai Hindley's like 24, I think. Seb's 20, 19, 20 years old. They were battling it on, I can't remember whether it was Buller or Falls Creek. But, yeah, Seb's a good climber. He's got a good TT, like all these young guys. He's not like he's not like uh, Miguel and, oh, maybe Lopez is a bad example. Not like Quintana, et cetera. Like, he knows how to TT, knows about position, et cetera, about aero, all that sort of thing. And he's got an engine because I remember he did a, in lockdown, I mean, he, he sometimes guess these crazy ideas. He did a 400-kilometre ride, averaged over 200 watts. He's 60 kilos, by the way, with Elliot Schultz. Another guy was on the AG2R development team, now on Memel, another young Australian. They did 400Ks and Seb was like, yeah, I felt good. It was fine. So the engine is not an issue. And don't be surprised if you see him at the pointy end of hilltop finishes in big world tour races with the big names next year. If not competing on his own, for his own results, but certainly I, I I think he'll be going to the Vuelta um, for Dan Martin again, but we'll get to that in a second. But Chris Froome, Benji, what do you make of the Chris Froome signing? Is it all for marketing? Do they genuinely think he's got another two to France in him or at least contesting the podium genuinely? Or what do you make of them signing him? I think it's a combination of both. I think uh, the marketing matters a lot because the person that, pumps the money into Israel's startup nation is Sylvan Adams. He is known for offering large amounts of money to have the reputation of Israel. An example of that is he uh, once gave $2 million, I think, for Madonna to sing once or twice at Eurovision Song Contest. And yeah, that was a pretty horrific uh, display, but it happened and it cost <laughs> a lot of money. So uh, that was special. So if he's able to give $2 million for for a uh, one stage presence, then uh, I think he won't mind sending $5 million over for uh, Chris Froome to ride for Israel Startup Nation. Do I think that the signing will give us a lot of opportunity of seeing him on the podium again? I think it's unlikely. 
I think it's very unlikely. The team around him, even with the signings that we're going to be going into in a second here, for me, don't seem enough to give him an opportunity to get on the podium of a Grand Tour. But it's still Chris Froome, so it's it's hard to judge on that aspect. But still, he had a horrific crash. The injuries are most likely going to influence his life a bit more. I don't think he's fully back. We saw that in La Vuelta as well. But on the other end, I don't think his climbing was horrible in La Vuelta to say that he'll never have an opportunity at a GC anymore. So for me, it's a bit of a... It's possible, but it doesn't look likely that he's going to be up there with the big guns in the next couple of years, which is a bit unfortunate. Yeah. It's hard to say whether from that crash he really needs like that extra six, seven months from like the end of the Vuelta to the Tour and next year. As you said, in the Vuelta, he still did a better job than Brenner Rivera and even Sosa, who were still trying to help Carapaz. Um, but... Yeah, I, I said at the start of this year that I didn't expect for him to be going well this year's tour and I just don't see that changing next year. I mean, if you – I would accept the argument if someone said, okay, we're gonna, he's going to go to the Giro, there's a lot of TTKs, all the big guns aren't going to the Giro, they're all going to the tour, he's back on the TT bike and really flying. Like going, like we saw Dumoulin, the first thing that came back for Dumoulin was not the climbing, it's TT. And we said to, okay, well, for him – could contest Giro, I'd be like, still don't think so, but maybe. But the tour, which is where he's going to go, that's the thing. It's not like he's going to go to the Giro. He's going to the tour, right? Like, that's why they're paying him the money. And it's just, it's not happening. Um, the level is, is, the level is higher than when he was at his peak. He never faced prime, uh, he never faced someone like Pagacha, who it's just, probably as good a TT as Froome was, maybe a little bit worse, but not so far off. And uh, just a freak in the mountains. So, yeah, I just, even if he gets to a really good level, that's, a really good level is not good enough to even get a podium at the Tour, uh, I don't think, in 2021, if barring freak accidents, injuries, etc. Yeah. And the problem with Froome is, the, the problem is, it really is GC or bust, right? He's never come top like 20 or 10 in a one-day race of any level in his whole professional like European career. I don't see that starting now. So like that's the thing, Benji. Like, what else is there? Apart from the tour, what else can they do with him? Is there some one-week races or something they can they can do with through? It's unlikely. I don't I don't know if he'll change his preparation races too much from how he did it at Ineos. I know he had a, a special way of preparing for the Grand Tours at Ineos. He was focusing on a limited amount of races all the time and eventually was pretty mediocre at best at the preparation races to then come out on top in the uh, Tour. I do believe that in the Dauphiné and such, he was pretty good at certain points um, to eventually do well in the Tour. But in the latter parts, that started deteriorating a bit. I think that you're right on the aspect that there's just so much talent at the top of World Tour right now and so much talent that hasn't come out yet as well. We're talking about Pogacar, but we've spoken about him in the time trial as well. At MQ Evenepoel, we don't know where his limits lie. We don't know what he's going to do next year. And if he's going to do what people are expecting him to do, then Froome has another competitor uh, among the competition. And he's not the only competition like... 
the entire team of Ineos and and Jumbo is so situated around having a huge team at these Grand Tours that it's going to be very difficult for someone to crack open a team like that. Pogacar was able to do it a bit at the Tour de France to eventually pull the real punch in the one stage that the team didn't matter for Roglic, and that was a time trial. Now, I don't think Chris Froome can do it. I don't think Chris Froome has it in him to... Well, even if he was at his hypothetically, say he was back at his peak, well, he's not on Ineos anymore. So I'd probably still be saying it's unlikely because uh, we we know, because we're watching all the time and see probably all of the race, all of the races in their entirety, how important the team is. And to, as you said, Ineos and Yama Vizma are stacked from first rider to eighth rider ninth rider and Israel Star Nation got some ninth editions, you know, like as I said, I don't think Seb's gonna be going the tour. I'm not sure that's on his program. I don't know, but I don't think he'll be going. Carl Friedrich Hagen, like would he make the Yumbo Visma? Would he make their team for the tour as a domestique? Probably not. <laughs> like they got George Bennett Russo said he probably wouldn't make it. Mike Woods would. Um, Mike Woods' is quality, I think he can be a super domestic too. Dan Martin would probably make it, but that's two guys. And then you're going to have DeMarkey and Bevan maybe as guys to the flat. Badalati, could he improve? It's just it's just a very, very steep road uphill, no pun intended, for Chris Perun. And I'm, I'm worried about how it's going to work out for them for them next year. Um, so, But I'd, I'd love to see him. That's why I was trying to rack my brains and I threw it to Benji first so I could actually think about it. Like a one-week race that would really suit him that he could get a W or get a win, you know? And, I, yeah, it's it's, it's tough. Like even like Paris-Nice, to win Paris-Nice is so hard with yep. the current level of ride. Not only have you got the one-week – sorry, the Grand Tour guys, if they turn up, well, it's really hard. Shuckland, then you've got the one-week guys, Shuckland, full sang. Gita, Martina, like it, the list goes on. Um, so, yeah, I think that's our views on Prune. Comment down below. Do you think we're missing something? Do you think he's going to come back from this off season and be firing? I mean, he's gone to Malibu. He's training in Malibu. I'm not sure if he's trained there before. He usually trains in Australia um, before Tour Down Under or South Africa. So he's changed that up. Not sure what to make of that. Uh, that was a bit surprising to me. Like, are you, were you surprised you went to, like, the, the COVID capital of the world? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like the training positions of certain riders adapt according to their transfers as well. I think that we saw that with, um, was it Jack Hake? Yes, Jack Hake said something about when he joined Bahrain that his training camp was changing from one uh, country or one region to another. So I think transfers lead a lot in that. Um, regarding Froome, yeah, I'm not sure if it's a personal decision or a team decision. I'd say it's a team decision, to be honest. But I, I think actually, um, I think he might have had like some endorsement stuff. Yeah, over there, like some appearances. I don't mm-hmm. know. I think he's got some watch watches or something. I don't uh, like a watch company. Or I think he also does some charity work over there with American charity. So maybe he's got some endorsement stuff. He's just over there having a holiday and. We're reading too much. I'm reading too much into it. That could probably be the case. Yeah, he's releasing uh, a, a golden coin like Sigan was. <laughs> I would, I would buy it. 
next ride on this list already, is probably anyway? in terms of pardon. <laughs> Did yours arrive already? You, you're you're saying eighteen thousand euro? Was it eighteen thousand euro? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, never seen anything like it. The next best rider that they've signed, I, in my opinion, is Michael Woods. Um, I think he really showed a lot this year and sort of backed up what we've seen from him from 2018 onwards where he came on the podium at Worlds. And I really, really liked what we saw from Mike Woods. He came a stage win at the Vuelta, third in flesh, seventh at Liège, stage win at Terreno Adriatico. You can mark it down now. Mike Woods is going to win at the very least for ISU. He should be winning a World Tour race of some description, whether it's the Terreno stage or something. In the right situation, he should be winning a uh, Grand Tour Stage 2 and another yeah. podium at Liège, Flesh or Amstel wouldn't be out of the question either. Um, so I, I think that's a fantastic signing. Do, do you have any – like why did EF let him go? I don't know. I don't know the uh, the intel on it. I, um, I know that he was pretty liked at EF, so it's probably not a decision where he, they were fighting or anything. I think that it's just uh, a new step in the life of Michael Woods. And I think it's a new step in, in the life of a lot of riders here. And there's one thing that kind of comes into my mind when I look at these transfers. It's that a lot of these transfers, except Berwick, of course, are pretty old riders. And that's what worries me a bit. And what worries me about it is that it feels like the NTT transfers or Dimension Data transfers where they got... Kreuziger, they got Gasparato, they got those riders, and eventually that led to them having a saturated team of riders that are past their peak or, yeah, or nearing the end of their career even. And right now, I feel like with Chris Froome, we can arguably say that he's past his peak. I don't think it's super horrible to say that. I don't think it's a hot take to say that even. Stefan Marke is a difficult one. I believe that he's got a pretty Definitely. long peak, but yeah, he's past. He's, he's he's not in. He's past his peak. I'm not saying yeah. he's washed, yeah. but he's not the best he's ever been. You're right. So yeah. And then we look at Impy. I think it's the same situation. I think he's yeah. past his peak. Michael Woods. Uh, that's the one situation where I'd be like, uh, perhaps he can still win he, a few races. He's an exception. Yeah. Because he's come from to the sport late from running. Um, I still feel like he's actually in the middle of that peak. Yeah. And do you think he's Canadian? Adams is Canadian. Oh, the reason I think AF, I reckon he got an offer he couldn't refuse from ISU. Um, mm. And if they overpaid for him, I'm, I think that's a great thing because I think he's class. And if you want to overpay for a rider, at least he's going to get you results. Um, what do you think about Mike Woods as a one-week racer? or a potential welter GC candidate. We saw him working for Dan Martin this year. Is that is that possible for him, or is it too late? I think it's difficult. So if I look at this, him as a rider, he is great at one-day races, long one-day races with hills. That's obvious. He's good at one-week races that don't involve a large mountain or a time trial. We saw that at Tirreno that he started off doing really well at the start. He was great at the hill stages, but when it went on to that one larger mountain stage, he was collapsing through the peloton. So the moment they hit the high mountains is where I think Woods collapses compared to the high abundance of competition they have now in the climbing. And he would need the likes of perhaps a Catalonia or 
just one of those not overly mountainous, hilly folk yeah. races. Perhaps it's Catalonia or Pei Vasco. I don't know which of the two it is. Yeah. Um, I think those are the ones that, that, I... That's ringing a bell. Yeah, I think that those are the ones I see him as an opportunity at. The likes of a Dauphiné or Tour de Suisse are unlikely for me. And perhaps the only Grand Tour that indeed could suit him is La Vuelta. But I still think he's going to have a lot of trouble on the real mountains. But wouldn't surprise me if he starts off at the Vuelta in a Grand Tour leading position and would end up on the top 10. That wouldn't surprise me. But it's unlikely that he's going to end up on the top three or top five for me. I think it's an interesting question, but I think ultimately they should just not explore that avenue. He's 34. We know what he's good at. He's truly world-class puncher and focus on that. Focus on stage hunting. And if he can help out, if someone on his team is in decent position on GC, if he can help out like he did at Welter, that's how he should be used. I don't think they should try and put a square peg in a round hole. Um, or to try and mould him into something that he's not. So, Mike, then the other riders, I think DeMarkey and Bevan from CCC, I, I quite like them. DeMarkey will be a stage hunter. I think he can also help in a grand tour, very experienced. Patrick Bevan's quite underrated, actually, as a rider, and maybe you're not, not aware of who he is. He's got a massive engine. He's 29 years old. He won a stage of the Santos Tour and under last year. He's only got six career wins and a few of them that, you know, they're at Korea, Taiwan, Sun Tours, Tour and under, etc. But I think the one result you need to remember is fourth at the World Champs ITT in 2019 in Yorkshire, three seconds behind Filippo Ganna. There is an engine in there. Now, maybe that's all from Aero. Maybe it's not, but I think, you know, team time trial situation, which we never have anymore, so that's a good point. He can be very effective. Can he win an ITT stage? No, I just don't see. Everything would have to line up. There'd have to be no gun and no Dennis. It'd have to not be short because then I think Kranis would beat him. So many things would have to line up. So probably not. Can he be a valuable domestique? Yeah, I think so. I think he could be a decent uh, engine on the flat. And I think that's why they signed Impy to the next man. Now, there were some articles saying, Daryl Impey's been signed to be a super domestique. And can I just say now, the, the word super domestique is, has been grossly, it's been grossly misused. Yeah. Super domestique is a rider who could be contesting the GC themselves, except they're sacrificing that to support another rider, like Richie Port Matur, like, I guess, Seb Coos, and sort of like Wild Van Aert. I'll let you extend it to that because he could have maybe gone for the green jersey. That's the furthest extension. But just a good domestique, that's not a super domestique. So Daryl B, maybe he's going to be the flat. you think he's going to be the flat captain in the tour for ISU next year? Mm, perhaps, but I also think that he's got a decent climbing to be worth something in the climbs. I don't think he's worthless in the climbing. I think he's going to be um, valuable as a domestique. I don't know how much because we haven't seen him too much in a domestique position in the last couple of years at Mitchelton. He's always been the rider that could go into some crazy breakaways, magically end up winning a mountain stage against uh, other riders like Thomas Higgin and such. And eventually it all came down to the fact that he has the ability to sprint. He has the ability to do mountains. He has the ability to do hills, but he's not mastering any of those. 
so he has to have the ideal situation to lead to a potential stage win. As a domestique, that's very handy because he can help you on multiple terrains. So I think that will come into play. The fact that he can do this on multiple terrains, I think that works as well for Paddy Bevan that you were speaking about. I think Bevan has the same situation. Huge engine, second in the Vuelta ITT as well last year. And I agree that he's not likely to win an ITT knowing the talent that is up there, that is uh, ready to take over the world, also in time trialing. So um, I think those two riders are really good looking when it comes to potential domestiques. Super domestiques are just, yeah, it's it's not true. It's, it's an incorrect assessment. And you said Demarkey. You like him. I also kind of like him. I don't know what to think of him. I feel like Demarkey is the rider on the list of signings that I'm most worried about regarding still being worth something for the team. He is, what is it, 37 now? Let me take a look. Is he that old? 34, my bad. I'm, <laughs> I just imagine three in, more years in, in his career. MP's 36. MP's 36. Yep. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah they've been around for a long time. Yeah, I think that Demarkey is uh, indeed the rider that can go into breakaways and that can lead to potential breakaway victories on mountain stages. But I also think he hasn't done it at CCC in a while. So it's hard to assess whether it's going to be uh, possible or not. Perhaps he's going to be domestique as well. But the thing is, all these riders were in a position where they were able to do something in the last couple of years for themselves. We have Woods that was able to do something for himself quite a lot, obviously. We had Bevan, who was able to go for himself on quite a few races. And on Grand Tours, I never saw Bevan really pull forward for other riders too much. I don't remember that, at least. It could be that he was doing that. Demarkey has been in a domestic position quite a bit last year. But the years before, he was always focusing on getting into breakaways because he had the ability of, of offering up a Grand Tour victory for teams. And... Now all these riders are coming into a situation where they need to change or adapt themselves most likely to being in the domestic position most of the time for the likes of a Chris Froome who just joins the team. With Dan Martin as well, he was in the team last year and he was likely happy and unhappy that Chris Froome is joining the team because happy because he's got a better team, but unhappy with the fact that it's unlikely that he'll ride the Tour de France as, as main leader. But I don't know. If you have Chris oh, Froome we'll in current to, we'll position, that. yeah, we'll that's what that. I want to send to you right now. If you have <laughs> Chris Froome and Dan Martin and you have to send both to the Tour de France, would you send them at co-leadership? Would you send Dan Martin as leader or Chris Froome as leader? I'll say I'll say Chris is leader. Then I'll go, I'll walk down the door, down the hallway after the meeting and I'll knock on Dan's door. I'll say, Dan, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you always said in the team meeting. Just said, Dan, we'll we'll set up the lads for you. Um, Chris will get popped on stage three, and <laughs> it'll be set up for you. So just make sure you protect yourself on GC. Don't be don't be doing anything silly like losing time on stages one and two. But honestly, that's what I know that I'm being facetious. But they should go as co-leaders, and because you you don't know what will happen with Froome. I think every team every team should have two leaders if they they could possibly do it for the Tour de France takes one crash and, you know, your leader's out and you need to have a backup plan like getting off at the Giro. So yeah. with Daryl Impey, I still think he's class. Like he came second in the Dauphiné stage this year on that punchy finish yeah. behind Wout van Aert. He, he beat Pagacha, Roglic and Co, Bernal. He won a Dauphiné stage and a, 
stage of the tour in 20, recently it's 2019. So Dover was 18, Catalonia 17. Like he's still capable of winning, like not just world tour races, but grand tour stages and very prestigious world tour stages. And it's weird to me that he's left to go to Israel startup nation when Orica or Mitchell Scott have brought back Michael Matthews and the, the Matthews impy pairing was very, very, um, powerful back in the day at, at Orica Scott. When they, in the Ardennes and punchy finishes, when they had Albacini, Gerens, Matthews and Impey, that was actually really, really strong. Um, but yeah, he's gone to ISU. He was a teammate with Froome at Barlow World all the way back in 2008. They're both, um, you know, Impey's South African. Froome is, is Kenyan, but lived in South Africa, etc. So they got the African connection. Um, so yeah, I guess... Maybe they get on. I don't know if they're mates either. But I'm not expecting – like, if we're expecting Impy to somehow be, like, winning the, the tour for Froome, that's not the rider he is. That's not the sort yeah, of rider he is. That wouldn't happen. Um, he's better off in, in much different – even, like, doing a Tony Martin role, I don't even think that's him either. As you said, I don't remember him or Bevan really doing that, but Bevan maybe can do it. But that's enough from the, the new signings. Um Let's talk about who we think should be their, their leaders and what their targets should be for next year. So first monument, Marana San Remo, Israel Startup Nation. I mean, they've got Hofstetter, who on paper should be okay. Like he's, is he their best sprinter, Hugo Hofstetter? Um, mm, it's but a combination. He's got... Who's their leader? Milano. Milano San Remo, I wouldn't even go for a sprinter. I don't think... Milano Sanremo has been all out for sprinters these days. I think it's since the Mar that we've had a sprinter actually winning it. Obviously, you can say that Benat was a sprinter technically in some way, but he didn't win it by sprinting. I think Michael Woods should be leader for Milano Sanremo. I think it should be Impy and Woods. I think you send Woods, you be like, you set up to have Woods attack on the Poggio yeah. early. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not steep enough for him. Probably isn't. Probably won't work. I mean, there's a reason they won't be favourites for it. But to give yourself the best ability, Ben Hermans, you could maybe, he's, I don't mind Ben Hermans, send him as well. And David Chimalai. I don't know. It's obviously, the team's not strong for that sort of race. But I would probably have Woods and Impey, try and have Impey winning a reduced bunch sprint, see how he goes, maybe get a top 10. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. The next one, Ronde van Vlaanderen. Yeah. Is it going to be Tom van Asbroek, Sepp van Mark? Who, who, Sepp van Mark's going to be the leader, right? Yeah, all out. It's unlikely that we'll have anyone else on that team be the all out leader. And I'm interested to see if van Mark will have support there because I don't see too much off cobble talent here. Tom van Asbroek, you say, but I think he's watched. He's the rider in the team that is good in races that don't matter and perhaps a very decent domestique on the races that aren't too extreme as well in like flat one day races with limited cobble sections a la saman type or something i think he can play a big role in that to set up a victory for someone else not for himself anymore matsuri schmidt i don't know how his cobbles are i remember him doing cobbles at some point in his career and being decent at it but i don't remember and for the rest of the team, yeah, it's kind of sad that I have to bring up Andre Greipel for 
for a potential cobblestone steak, which <laughs> is just hard to think about. <laughs> I, uh, I don't see that happening. And they, did, they didn't yeah. re-sign Michael Ryan. They didn't re-sign him. In the right situation, he would be doing a decent job at Tour of Flanders, yep. right? So that doesn't make sense to me. Um, but, yeah, the, the team is very that's – why, that's why when you look at their results of 2020 – there's like it's just not that many victories in any because it's not just the Tour of Flanders, but this applies to a lot of one day races. They just don't have the riders that are of a good enough quality to be winning, even like Europe Tour one day races. To be honest, like apart from Hofstetter listening, and I think he's a good rider, Hofstetter, but yeah, it's it's not that deep the team. Like as you said, you've gone from Seb Van Mark great. But then Andre Grapple's his first helper. Like it's just not good uh, an in that regard. You think it's an I mean, and the reason is he was good in 2014 <laughs> in couple races. So I think the quality of riding couple races is still there. It's just a bit unlikely that he's going to play a big role there. It's most likely going to be as like one of the domestiques in there as a possibility. But the problem is you can't send him be everywhere all season. So. You have to decide where to go, and if he's going to ride the hill races, he's not going to ride the cobble races, most likely. So, yeah, MP um, would be a factor if he was sent, but it's unlikely that he's going to be sent, knowing that Liège and such is just after the cobble races. So, I think the same. My same logic applies exactly the same for Paris Bay. I don't have anything different to add. Same as Tour of Flanders. Yep, same. I don't see anyone else on the team that could do well here. That did not have the ability of doing well at the um at Tour of Flanders. I don't know how Bevan does on cobbles. I don't think it's too extreme. He doesn't really have great results on it to to shout a possibility. Just because of the time trial, I automatically try and think about the possibility of doing a Paris Roubaix, but it just doesn't work that way really. So yeah, I I don't really see him playing a role in that. So I guess the next one is is then Liège Baston Liège, and I think we spoke already what the possibilities for the team are, and that's basically Michael Woods, I say, and looking at the rest of the team, Dan Martin as well. So the combination of Michael Woods, Dan Martin could really play a decent role in something like Liège. The uh, annoying factor for them is that there are a lot of riders that can do well in the likes of Liège Baston Liège these days, and with the change of parkour, you don't have the uh, anymore that then Martin fell on in the last corner that day. So it's going to have to come from an early attack or from a situation where they're in a group that has mediocre sprinting riders. And knowing that a Vanderpool is getting better at this and getting better at this, that a Vanad is getting better at, at these kind of terrains, these two could end up in the front group of Liège Boston Liège. And if that is the case, then it's unlikely that Michael Woods will beat them in the sprint or then Martin will beat them in the sprint. So they'd have to get rid of them on the climb before the end. And I'm not sure they have the capabilities of doing that, really. I know, but still, I think they have a... Whereas they're, they're cobbled and their cobbled team is not good, I think their Arden's team is actually quite good with yeah. the addition of Woods. I think him, Impey, Dan Martin... Berwick will be doing Liège, I'd assume, and Flesh. Demarkey's solid enough. He can get an early break or he can help at least. Chris Nealands, he had a quite a good 2019, I think, Latvian yeah. rider. Um, 
decent climber. Like, it'd be good to see how he goes in the age. Same as Carl Friedrich Hagen, who's 29, by the way. Um, I think we're like, not date. Yeah, I think we're They're underrating the other Marky. I think we're underrating Roy DeMarkey regarding the one day races. If we look at 2020, he was uh, 11th in Lombardia, 19th in Piemonte, he was uh, oh, wow. 9th in Gran Tritico. And if you look at last year, I recall him doing well in Amstel, is that correct? 7th in Amstel last year. So I think. And he won Giro del Emilia 2018. Yeah, true. So I think that we're underrating DeMarkey perhaps in a, a one day race setting. Yeah. So they got good options. Um, Flesh, especially where there won't be that, I don't think, to Van Aert or Van der Poel. Flesh to have both Woods and Dan Martin. I mean, I don't know how they're going to use them, to be honest, because maybe like Katusha used Danny Moreno and Joaquin Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Like that's the closest combination I can think of. But um, mm. yeah, I think it's, that's. In that situation, you still had like a, a degree of difference between Joaquim Rodriguez and Moreno. I think to the latter part of the career, Moreno started pushing through a bit more and started showing that he has an option to go for himself as well. But I still feel like there was a degree of separation between those two. While right now, if we go to LBL, I can't tell you who is going to do better, Martin or Woods. I would perhaps oh, say Woods. Woods. Woods, yeah, I'd say Woods. Um, but Flesh, maybe Dan Martin would be up there with him too. But I think Woods still again. Giro, I don't know what they should do with the Giro, to be honest. They just don't have multiple GC options. Do they send Carl Friedrich Hagen there as their GC guy? Like, do they go there to hunt stage wins with, depending on the TT kilometers, with uh, Dowsett and go for sprints with Zabel or Greipel or? I don't know, Benji. I don't know what team they'll put together for the Giro. Um, I think yeah. going for stage wins is the best option, to be honest. I think so as well. I think that they have to either make the decision of going for the Tour de France for Chris Froome and perhaps then Martin. I think Martin would still feel feel better in the Vuelta and do better in the Vuelta. But if they go for Froome in the Tour, they have to give it them all. If they pay $5 million for a guy, they can't just drop him in a Grand Tour without any support. And I don't think he's going to have too much support already if we have the best riders on this team with him. I don't think they can fight against the big squads at the Tour de France. So they're going to need all the help they can get. And that is going to cost them on the other Grand Tours. That's going to cost them at the Giro. That's going to cost them at the Vuelta even. Perhaps not at the Vuelta, knowing that a lot of riders that do the Tour still do the Vuelta as like end-of-season closure. But nah, it's it's unlikely that they're going to send the big squad to the Giro. I'd say perhaps a Cimolai, stuff like that. The Italians are automatically feel like they yeah. should fit there. But the Marquis would also fit as a domestique once again for homeboy uh, Chris Froome. I think Guy Niv will ride the, the Giro to continue uh, his his streak of doing that. But outside of that, it's hard to say who can do well there. Would you send Michael Woods there? No, because you would send the Michael Woods most likely to the Vuelta, I'd say. Then Martin fits there as well. And then you look at, indeed, riders like Dowsidor, yeah, a Bevan. Those I, I, guys are I'd not going to ride anything decent in GC. I would try and replicate this year's Euro with next year's yeah. Euro. I'd just send Dowsid, uh, Matthias Brandl, Hermans, Chimalai, 
Zabel. Maybe Chris Neal. Chris Nealon's Zavul and Madsworth Schmidt or something and just I'll set that mark, I don't know, and just say let's just get an every breakaway guys and maybe try and win a sprint with Zavul, depending on who goes to the Giro. But the thing is, like Gronenbergen will be at the Giro. So it's good like it's not gonna be just Damari. Like there won't be no sprinters there. So yeah, um Giro is gonna be tough for those guys, but it sounds like we're being overly negative about it, as I mentioned. This applies, what we're saying, to like 80% of the World Tour teams. Like, yeah. it's actually only a couple of teams that can truly contest GC in all three Grand Tours. Ineos, Yombo, Visma, sort of Movistar. Um, like, it's, it's really, really hard to be able to have enough depth and talent to contest all three Grand Tours, all the monuments, and be good at all of them. It's impossible for most. So... Not being negative, just you've got to make sacrifice. Some races have to be sacrificed and some have to be a priority. That's just the way it is. Tour de France, I think their team should be obviously Froome, Woods. I would take Berwick, to be honest, um, in my opinion, just because I think I know he could do a good job for Martin when he actually needs it on a climb. I think he could be there. I'm not saying he's going to be there every day, like Richie Ford or whatever, he's probably young, he's going to have bad days, but he still has the raw talent to maybe do a good job for Dan Martin. And it's not like there's a 2015 Richie Port to go there with him. So, yeah, it's going to be Impey DeMarkey as well. Um, and I think Dan Martin should be their GC, will be their GC leader. But obviously, Froome gets the first right of refusal on that. Um, but I'm not sure. Like, he's going to lose time on the murder of Britannia because. Second stage, punchy finish. You know, it's going to be Roglic, Pogaccio, Wapana going full gas at chasing out Philippe on that finish. And Dan Martin's quality. Did Dan Martin win the Murder Britannia stage, Benji, like a few years ago or something? Yep, he did once at least, if I remember yeah. correctly, yes. So that says it all, really. Like, Dan Martin's going to be above Froome in the GC there now. He's TT and Froome's TT. Froome might cost back some time, but yeah. Uh, but that's the team. And then after yeah. that, we've got the Vuelta. Oh, sorry, I didn't mind you to speak about their Tour de France. I don't think that Berwick will go to the Tour, and it's not no, because I don't, I think, don't so think he's good enough. I think that it's unlikely that a young rider is being sent to the Tour as their first Grand Tour. It's like a unwritten rule so far, it seems, because whoever I look at that is really talented, the first Grand Tour they start is likely the Vuelta and perhaps sometimes the Giro, I prefer having the Giro for the likes of a Berwick, perhaps. You say you see him as a potential for the Vuelta because he's better at hills than mountains, or what is the the reason for that? No, I think that's just the way the program will work out. Get some European racing in the legs, some World Tour racing in the legs early, get used to it all, and then get set up in the team and then have a crack at the welter when the pressure's off or lower pressure, et cetera, at the end of the year rather than maybe do like no, maybe do, if he did the Giro, he'd have to do Terreno and then straight into the Giro. Yeah, that's I'm not sure his program's going to look, I don't think his program's going to look like that. No, I don't think he's going to the Tour either. I just, if, if you genuinely wanted to send the best hill climbing squad, you'd have to shoot for the stars and just hope He's good. Same with Hagen. You'd have to take Hagen and Nilans and be like, I hope these guys get to a different level. Um, yep. But, yeah, 
who knows what will happen. Welter, Dan Martin, got to take him, got to take Woods. Berwick, I think, will go to Impey, see how tired he is, how buggy he is. I'd take him if he wanted to go. I'd take Rudy Barbier and try and get some more out of him as well. Um, but, yeah, that's that's who I would take. Maybe Mudsford Schmidt. Um, so Van Mark, would you take him to the Welters? Van Mark do okay in Grand Tours on any particular stages, Ben? Not he hasn't really. had too much history on a, on a Grand Tour uh... Grounder stages, that's for sure. I think most likely we're indeed looking at the squad of riders that are doing well at an LBL. You said it, Dan Martin, Woods, perhaps a Demarkey. Depends on who where he gets sent to, because Demarkey can do well in all Grand Tours depending on the stages. I think the tour fits him less this year, knowing that it's not really the long and very enticing breakaway stages I see on the on the profiles. But Giro could fit him. Velta could fit him. I think Velta fits him more knowing the parkours of a usual Velta, at least. Um, Hagen will most likely do one of the other Grand Tours, likely the Tour, in support of Chris Froome. I don't see a, a possibility of Hagen getting his own Grand Tour in 2021. He hasn't proven enough in 2020 to deserve that, for me personally. And we're indeed looking at those punchy riders. I don't know where to send Nylons because the guy could generally go to every Grand Tour and do decent there in some way. I feel he's a very talented rider that is perhaps often seen as a rider that is not really up there. But regarding breakaways, I see a lot of opportunities there. And yeah, it really comes down to those riders, I think. The rest is going to be relatively filler for the team. Perhaps Bevan as well for for the Vuelta, but Bevan could go all go to all three Grand Tours, but I feel like he's decent at Vuelta style parkour. So wouldn't surprise me if Bevan's in the in the Vuelta team in twenty twenty one. We think Gene Kreipel's done. He's not winning mm-hmm. on Champs Elysees. I don't know. I I feel like there's still an opportunity of sending him to the tour because you gotta have filler riders in a team like Israel Startup Nation to fill up the uh, team for a Grand Tour. It's weird because another. Teams, there's there's a clear fight to get into a Grand Tour team. But right here, I just don't feel that. I feel like a lot of the riders are on a similar level that don't necessarily even deserve to be at a Grand Tour at some point. Is that hard? Mate, to some of these riders don't deserve to be in the World, world Tour level. Yep, I agree. And um, you, you sound being harsh. I'm pretty sure their management literally said the same thing. They said something even harsher than that uh, this year. They're like, our team right now is not, half of it is not World Tour level riders. Yeah. Um, that being said, Yente Biermans, he's got a, he's been riding, will be riding World Tour level for six years. He's on Petusha and then Israel Startup Nation, he's got another three years until 2022. Like, it, it always amazes me how some riders have like six years at World Tour level. Uh, like I'm sure he's a nice guy, etc. And then other riders like Mikhail Ryan. Like Mikhail, how is Mikhail Ryan fighting for a, even a pro Conti contract right now? And Yente Biermans is locked into 2022. Just that makes that makes no sense to me. Like Ryan could actually do a job for Van Mark at yep. Paris Bay. Actually could. And I know Biermans. I think he did okay in Paris Bay Juniors. So maybe that's the plan for him as well. But yeah, just a lot of names here that. 
they're not going to move the needle for ISU. And they know that. That's why they made all these signings. Uh, I completely agree. As well. And I said it at the start. It feels like NTT at some points for me. It feels like a team that has a lot of baggage of riders that don't necessarily deserve to be in World Tour. I'm happy for them that they've got a World Tour contract that they can perhaps prove themselves in this year. But it's unlikely that that's going to happen. Young. But they're not young. That's the thing, yeah. then. The likes of uh, Tom van Asbroek, it's harsh to say. He's seen in the team a lot for his for his offering himself up. Oh, I just punched my mic. That was accidental. Um, <laughs> Why do you hate Tom van Asbroek so much? You're swinging on it. Swinging on it. <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily hate Tom Van Osbrook at all. Um actually like the rider. It's a rider that offers himself up a lot for other riders. And I think that's the aspect we don't see sometimes. It's the aspect of within the team, how are riders towards other riders in the team? How is their humanity towards other riders? How are they when it comes to offering themselves up for others and so forth? And I think that plays a lot of the roles into the contract assessments and the transfers that happen. And I think that's the one thing we don't see. We judge by performances and such, but sometimes it's not really the performance that that plays a role in the contract. It's the team atmosphere that they can deliver, and it's the potentially the experience towards other riders for the older riders in the team. But yeah, you're right. There are some riders here that just don't plainly don't really fit in World Tour for me, and. That is most likely going to cost Israel Startup Nation in 2021. And yeah, Raim deserved it more than other riders. We don't know what the situation is surrounding Mikhail Raim. If it's purely the fact that they didn't sign him, even if he's got great results for no reason at all, then it's a bit of a bummer because he deserves to be in this team more than 60% of it, I'd say, which is a lot, but... I'm not even joking. Yeah, and like, I'm not including Rudy Barbier in that. Like, he's actually won some races this year. I think he's actually pretty decent. Hofstetter, I think he's pretty good too. But yeah, it's it's a mixed bag. Lombardia, same pretty much as in um, the Ardennes. I'd be sending Demarkey, Woods, Dan Martin will probably be very, very tired by that point. And, um, and Berwick. So I'd just be sending those guys and to probably have Woods as leader, Demarkey as, as backup as well, and see how they go. Uh, yep. For, like, other random races, I'd really like to see Hofstetter keep getting more of a go. I would put my eggs in the Hofstetter basket rather than Rick Zabel. I think Hofstetter is the most talented sprinter on this team, probably a lot sort of like Barbier. Barbier maybe needs a climb or two. But, yeah, I think Hofstetter is actually okay. Um and maybe his results, like he got some top tens in the tour, didn't he? I think he got he got a fourth, a seventh, an eighth, and an eighth. And I know that doesn't sound that exciting. Okay, so so what a fourth? But still, he came fourth behind Bennett, Nitzolo, and Ewan. So take away those guys, and now he's in a, a Europe tour level race. He'll be the best guy there, or, or could be winning that because those are the best guys in the world. So he, he's quite good, Hofstetter. And like we saw yeah. that in in, and maybe they should be sending him to that Belgian circuit, Benji, or, or some other races. I agree, because um, we spoke about the Cobble team earlier. I think I didn't mention him, and I'd like to add him, because he was sixth at Kuna Brussel Kuna. He won Le Samain. I think he's good at Cobbles. Last year, he was 
also doing decent. He was second in Grote Prijs, Grote Prijs Jeff Scherens. That's even difficult to say for a West Flemish guy. But um, all in all, he's got the talent to do well in cobble races. 11th in Kuhn as well last year. So it seems like he has to have it from the races that aren't all out full cobble. But I'd be lying if I say that because he got 19th in Paris Roubaix last year. So I think he's their second best cobble rider. <laughs> so Yeah, wow. Well, yeah. I didn't realize he had that. But yeah, he is quite good. As you said, you know, Grote Prechef Shed and Throndom Leuven. And I basically, that's a Belgian passport right there, isn't it? For that pronunciation. <laughs> He's quite good. Beautiful. Yeah. So I'd really like to see him take a step up. So maybe this, now we're into the, you know, make this a round hour. What's, what would be a good year, Benji, for Israel's startup nation? Be, being realistic, I know on paper they're going to say, we want to win the Tour de France with Chris Grimm. I know that. Um, or can be competitive at the Tour de France. But, but between you and me and what we actually think is the ceiling and floor of the team, what would be a good year for them results-wise? They... A top three and a monument would be nice. I think winning a monument is possible with this team. There's yes. so much competition. Two, two monuments. Yeah. I think that podiuming it might be the ceiling, perhaps, knowing that there's so much competition. But with the possibility of winning it, which would make it extremely good. Outside of that, just more of a consistent display of competition within Grand Tour races or World Tour races. There's a lot of races where they just don't show up at the top. And I think they can play a bigger role with the likes of a Michael Woods, who was, for example, in Tireno, playing a decent role. Israel did not play a role in Tireno, really, so... You could argue that with the likes of Michael Woods, they can now play a role in those one-week races and perhaps win a hill stage here and there. And that will play a big factor. I believe that they need to set a pretty high goal for Sefal Marke as well. I don't think he's washed like you um, also said. He's not washed. Um, he is perhaps boss to speak indeed, but he's still very much up there with the best of the cobble riders. But... His luck is just yep. never there. And last year, I think he had a crash in E3 and then ended up being decent throughout the whole cobble season, ended up being extremely good at Paris-Roubaix, but that was like top five-ish. So I think he can... I think Sefal Mark is still able to win Paris-Roubaix, but it's going to be really tough with the likes of Wout van Aert at the start. I think... Uh, that's going to be the difficult aspect. So once again, podiums on, on monuments is possible on at least Lombardia, on at least, yeah, Paris-Roubaix, perhaps Tour of Flanders, perhaps as well, and Liège. Those are the four races I see that happening. And to be fair, if Woods ends up on the top three of Milano Sanremo because he, Alaphilippe and Fanard attacked on the final hill, then it wouldn't surprise me, but it's unlikely. I don't see Woods getting a podium at Milano Sanremo, despite him being one of the better riders on the team to make that happen. And outside of the monuments, Grand Tour-wise, I'd say that if you pay $5 million for a rider, he needs to perform well at the Tour. And if he doesn't, then it's going to be a, a failed season for them, because $5 million is a lot of money, 
<laughs> so, uh, is it five yeah. or is it like three? Is it three plus a bonus? I don't know what it is. I, it's, it's, I don't know, it's but it was in total more than five million. I don't know if that, uh, right. that's a lot of money. I could use that sometime. Yeah. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah. If you want to sponsor the podcast, we would, we, uh, we accept for him, for him salary is it, sufficient. Sufficient for most people. So they won six. They won six races, non-national champs races last year. I think I'd like to see that bumped up to just be a, a good season. Yep. Ten, ten or eleven wins next year. I think two monument. This is a good season, not what I expect, but a good season. Two monument podiums, be that Roubaix or Liège or Lombardia. It's, it's possible. Like Van Marke yep. getting a podium at Roubaix is not out of the question at all. Um, same with Woods at Lombardia, etc. And another two Grand Tour wins. I think they should be able to do that as well uh, with either Woods or, or Dan Martin or at the Giro if they can combine Dowsett and the other guys that go there as well. So two Grand Tour wins, two Monument podiums, a GC top five. And then I, what I'd really like to see is just more consistent top fives at a lot more races from other riders in the team yeah. um, at smaller races, I think would be a really, really good step and see how Berwick goes as well. He's the youngest rider. He's like the big, he's really the only young prospect they've signed. Um, see how he goes unless he's kind of quite young. So maybe, or was it? Who's the other rider that won the the Israel um, national championships? Yeah, Guy Niv's twenty six, and Guy Sagiv is twenty six as well, and Omar Goldstein is twenty four, and Idemar Einhorn is twenty three. Maybe Einhorn improves. He's actually not too bad. What would be a bad season, Benji? You'd be like, oh, wow, it's not been a good project for 2021. Well, a bad season would be similar to perhaps less than this year. I wouldn't call a similar season to this year perhaps a failure, but I think that it's unlikely that they'll be performing worse than this year, but it can always happen. We've seen it on quite a few big teams. We've seen Sunweb with the likes of Dumoulin and the team that ended up winning their first victory after Dumoulin won a, a prologue or time trial somewhere. So it, it took a while for those teams to to shine through. And I think with this team, it's going to be difficult to perform at a high level, but they should indeed consistently ride better. A bad season would be if they don't perform in the monuments and if their Froome adventure for the Tour just completely flops. And if Froome is completely worthless in 2021, then yeah, I'm saying it, but that five million plays a big role for me in seeing what the team will do next year. Because if it ends up going nowhere and just ends up being a marketing aspect, not a performance aspect, then for me it's a failure because they could have signed so much more if they spent that money otherwise. Yeah, like that is even if it's three million plus a two million bonus for the tour podium or yep. splitting the tour, even if it's three, that's a lot of other class riders you could be signing, talking to Mikhail Kwiatkowski, like, uh, I don't want 
cut across what we might say for the Ineos preview, but I think Kwiatkowski, like he's not going his salary is nowhere near that, and he's a guy capable of multiple Grand Tour stage wins, just like five World Tour stage wins per season. Uh, I like the Wood signing. You know, think about how many riders like Woods and Kwiatkowski you can sign, and you can be relevant in a lot more races. So the Froome signing, you're right, Benji. It's not about winning the tour, but you're really not getting the value for money if he's not in the lead GC group in the last week. Mm. So, like, it's fine to not win. It's fine to not podium. But if you're getting paid that, you have you have to be at a minimum in the big boy group, like we saw last year, Roglic, Pogaccia, Port, Mas, Landa, who else? You know, that group. Um, if you're not there, then the team's not getting any exposure or camera time. So it's really not been a great investment. Hopefully he is, and we can actually see a proper battle. Wouldn't it be great to see a proper battle for him back to his best against the other guys? But, yeah, as I said, more wins would be good. If you look at their 2019 year, there's lots of wins at, like, Castel, uh, Castel Leon, Tour of Estonia, Hungary, etc. We haven't. That just wasn't there last year because they made the step up to World Tour, and a bad season would be very, very few wins at all, which I don't think will happen, but it is possible that they only win two or three non-national championship races um, just because of all the focus on the, the big races, which they probably won't be winning either. That's our wrap-up for Israel Startup Nation. Let us know in the comments down below what you expect. Maybe comment who you think will be the leaders of the various monuments and uh, the Grand Tours for Israel Startup Nation. Do you think we're too high or too low? On any of the riders, let us know either on Twitter. If you're listening to the pod on a podcast player, hashtag LRCP, or comment on the YouTube video might be easier. Let us know if you think we're overestimating or underestimating anybody. I'm sure people will think we're riding off room too early, and maybe we're overrating Dan Martin or uh, Mikhail Rahn. Who knows? Um, we will see on the road. We've obviously, I've almost forgot to mention, just as I was about to sign off, Benji, Sherry, Sherry Pridham is their DS. Yeah. I don't really know too much about her. Um, like, I don't know much about continental like level stuff. I must admit, I sort of focus mainly on world tour and some of the pro conti teams and more like prospects, etc. But yeah, I don't know much about her. It'd be interesting to see how she goes. Uh, at Israel Silent Nation, they signed another DS as well. At the same time, his name escapes me. Been a lot of press about Prudem going over there. Um, and yeah, hopefully it's a good. Hopefully it's good. I think. Not sure if technically the first female DS. I think there were other female DS like many years ago, but first one in quite a while at least. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Obviously, she's coming in from like Conti level and then she's got a seven-time Grand Tour winner to to direct in the car. So that's going to be a learning curve, I think. So best of luck for her for that. Hopefully it um, is a success. What do you think about their general the management at Israel Startup Nation, Benji, uh, do you think it's like, I don't really know what the direction is. It seems like a lot of random stuff happens. And now we're getting to the sort of miscellaneous category. Like even their social media, Benji, I find very unusual. Um, like a lot of the tweets they release. Yeah, I've got a pretty uh, pretty solid opinion on this because I've been uh, I've been laughing at some of the Israel tweets for the last year. Like, I know the people that are doing it. I know that they're good people, which 
I feel bad for judging what they do sometimes, but sometimes it's just a bit unprofessional. But what I would say is, for example, at the end of last year, I was the guy that was laughing at one of the tweets, which was instead of like a nice representation of what their team was going to be for a race, it was a screenshot. No, not a screenshot, a picture of a screen on which there was an Excel file open with seven names of a rider. And that was how they represented who was going to ride the next race. So that was awful. That's not professional. That's not social media 2020 in any way. That's something, that's something I would do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, for a team like that, who can pay so much money for riders, the least they can do is find a social media manager that has the capabilities of doing that. But I know that the person behind it is a pretty friendly person and is trying to do the best they can and has grown a lot since last year. So for example, right now we've got nice visuals when they represent the team Everything that you criticize on their social media, they work with and they do better next time. So that's then the good aspect of it. So yeah, it's it's unprofessional sometimes. There's some remarks that are just plain political for Israel. I don't enjoy going into politics when talking about cycling because I try to uh, keep the topic on cycling all the time. And but the team the team retweets political like actual political yep. messages and tweets like. It's not just like they're saying, oh, we signed X rider because there is right. No, the, the, team, the team's official Twitter account actually retweets stuff. And I know like people say, oh, well, why don't you criticize UAE or Bahrain? It's like, well, I don't remember recall those teams. Maybe you could point me to an example where they did and I've missed it. But those teams, I don't think retweet stuff. It's like literally about politics. Yeah, um, and it's kind of just more, the wording. Uh, it's kind of just the wording, yeah. like... An example of the tweet that we're talking about. An example of the tweet that we're talking about is a tweet where I think Beirut Jerusalem now, I think that's a football team, now has a sponsor from Saudi Arabia. I'm not sure or United UAE. UAE. Um, Yeah, UAE. It was that, and as a consequence, they are actually doing something good for the relationships between those two countries because Beirut Jerusalem is an is a team of Israel origin. I don't want to say anything politically wrong here, but I think that's the case. And but putting that to the side, which we don't know about, the tweet or that yeah. they retweeted or they tweeted like insinuated that the UAE people were were racist, weren't they? Or they yes. like actually called Some them Arab fans were were racist was what it said. And that just it's just divisive and it can lead to trouble even if they don't mean it that way. And that's what sucks about it. And it, they should keep it on cycling. That's it. Yeah. Bear in mind, they have to go to the UAE for the World Tour stage race like in a few months. Yeah. So, you know, it's just even if you agree or don't agree with that, like it shouldn't be coming from the, a team's like official Twitter account, uh, as well as giving updates on Fabio Jakobsen like in real time before De Koenig had released that information. I remember them doing that, and I think Merku or someone was like, "Stop doing this, please!" Back earlier in the year. Um, but that's some miscellaneous stuff, just giving you some insight, maybe some background for the teams, etc. Um, maybe we're on social media for too much. That was Israel wrap up. Thanks, Benji, for taking the time on your Sunday. I know you uh, got Cyberpunk to play, I think. Uh, but otherwise, thanks for listening. See you in the next one. Ciao.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.